Hello and welcome. My name is Father William Maestri, and this is another edition of Gabriel's Trumpet for Friday, February the 17th. In our reading this morning, we return to our old friend, the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter, nine, chapter 8, verse 34 to chapter 9, verse 1. Mark, chapter 8, verse 34 to chapter 9, verse 1. In this particular passage, which is the central part of St. Mark's Gospel, we really come to the fundamental or foundational theme of the Gospel of St. Mark. It is the Gospel of Discipleship. And the whole of Mark's Gospel really is built around this particular passage this morning. Uh, Mark is believed to be the first of the Gospels written, uh, probably around maybe as early as 50, maybe closer to 55 A.D. And it is the Gospel that is the shortest of the Gospels. It begins immediately with the ministry of Jesus, and then proceeds to the resurrection, the post-resurrection experiences of Jesus and the, resurre- and the ascension of our Lord back to the Father. It's 16 chapters, and as I indicated, the shortest, and Mark writes in a very direct so- style, almost like a reporter that used to once report Uh, just the facts, and it's not filled with flowery language or with uh, deep detail. It gets right to the point of the matter. And in our gospel reading this morning, Jesus summons the crowd with his disciples, and he tells them uh, the requirement for being a disciple of Christ. Jesus says, If a person wishes to come after me, if a person wishes, now that's important. Jesus does not coerce or force or pressure anyone to follow him. It must be a free decision that we make. God is not a tyrant. God is not some kind of oriental potentate or just a uh, totalitarian. God wants us to freely follow his beloved son. Listen to my son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus has come to do the will of the Father and invites us, invites us, never forces us to follow him. So Jesus says, if you wish to follow me, He must deny his very self. We know that our lifelong struggle is the struggle with the imperial self. That part of us that wants what we want, when we want, how we want. It is the ego, the I, the tyrannical self that demands that we are the center of the universe. And everything revolves around us. Uh, 
That's one of the residues of original sin, to be self-centered and not other-centered, and above all, not God-centered, but our own will, our own desires, and everything else is supposed to revolve around it. Jesus says, this is the self you must deny. This is the self that uh, you must gain control of. He takes up his cross and follows in my steps to take up the cross. See, Jesus is not giving us a fairy tale here, is he? He's not promising us everything is going to be uh, green lights and blue skies. It's living happily ever after on earth, whatever that means. But no, it involves the cross. For Jesus came to pick up the cross, the cross for all of us, that on Calvary, he takes to the cross our sins and our guilt of all people forever, all times, all places. And in the supreme act of divine love, he heals us of our sin and our guilt. And it falls to us to pick up our cross daily. For some people, it is a large cross. It may be the cross of others that the Lord has asked us to carry. It may be our own personal cross. For some, the cross is very small. You say, well, why do some have larger crosses and others have small crosses? Does that mean that they sin more? No, not at all. It means that some people are not able, for whatever reason, to carry a larger cross or to help carry the cross of others. The Lord does not give us what we cannot bear if we turn to him and ask for grace. Draw ever closer to him and his grace, his cross. It becomes redemptive in our lives and it brings us closer to our crucified and risen Lord. Follow in my steps the loving obedience of Jesus in accepting the cross. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Whoever would save his life will lose it. Wow. That, that, that takes us back, doesn't it? Well, if I'm going to try and save my life, the first law of nature, self-preservation, I'm going to lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. Because there is a deeper life than life beyond this earthly existence. It's eternal life with Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in this world, which is not perfect, and neither us, neither are any of us perfect, contrary to what some people think they are. No, we're in the process of being perfected. It's the process of the daily pilgrimage of life. And sometimes our crosses are large and sometimes they melt and they're small. Sometimes we go for periods of time where we have no cross at all. And others 
They seem to come every day, multiple crosses. Because the Lord is also giving us the grace to carry those crosses and to help others carry theirs. Jesus says, what does it profit a person uh, to gain the whole world and destroy oneself in the process? In other words, what, what are you going to trade for eternity? Yes, you may be able to live easy here on earth. You may accumulate enough riches, financial security, enough pleasures, enough of the world's praise and glory, and all that sort of stuff. But in the process, you forfeit your soul. That short-term gain for eternity of loss. In terms of if you're a pure calculating person, cost-benefit analysis. You can buy a cheap pair of shoes 20 times or you can buy a good pair of shoes one time that lasts many years, maybe. You can buy a good car, save you money, buy the car, and the car is reliable, it runs. It gets you where you're going. Or you can get a beautiful car that is constantly in the shop. You end up paying more, but you got that beautiful car but it's just a trinket. Inside, it has all kinds of problems. So often we grab for the quick and the easy rather than the long term. And Jesus says, you destroy yourself in the process. What can a person give in exchange for his soul? If anyone in this faithless and corrupt age is ashamed of me and my doctrine, the gospel, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes with the holy angels in his Father's glory. Are we ashamed of the gospel? Are we ashamed of Christ? Do we keep it a secret? We don't talk about it. We don't let people see our fidelity to Christ. Not that we go around bragging, not that we go around uh, making others feel inferior. That's far from the gospel. But it's the true growing in relationship with Christ each day. In our prayer, in our participation, in the life of the church, in the values, in the words we speak. Are we ashamed? To let anyone know about that, afraid of being labeled, oh, one of them, one of those religious types, one of those Jesus freaks, as we used to call them. I'd rather be a freak for Jesus than to be in all eternity apart from the Lord. He also said to them, I assure you, among those standing here, there are some who will not taste death until they see the reign of God established in power. My goodness, how can that be? Because there are some who will see the crucified and risen Lord, the disciples, many of the crowd. 
Jesus will go to the cross. Yes, he will die a real death, but he will also rise on the third day. They will see the power and the glory of Almighty God in Jesus Christ. He died to himself. He died a real death, physically, was buried, and was raised on the third day through the power of the Holy Spirit to the glory of the Father. And that's our destiny as well. Jesus offers that to us. In the daily little dyings to self, that we may rise with him. So let us today carry our cross, whatever it may be. Let us unite it with Christ. Not be ashamed of Jesus and the gospel. But let us each day give glory, praise, and thanksgiving to Almighty God for that great gift of faith. And we may follow in his steps into eternity. God bless you.